0: welcome everyone to the program. Thank you so much for being here with us. I think we'll begin with just kind of how the documentary came together and the decision to do so. The film centers around the homecoming for the 4,000 who were lynched during the Jim Crow era, but with a focus on Winfred and his life told through another art form, another layer, his leather and his artwork. And so uh, very interested to know kind of the decision to add another art form or another medium, which is to tell it through the lens of a camera. We can start with, with Taylor.
1: Yeah, it is a bit of a multi-layered art collaboration. Um, this st- film started out, it, it wasn't something I sought out as a a director. Um, Shirley is actually a neighbor of mine. We grew up, I grew up next to her um, in Amherst, Massachusetts and gosh, Shirley, was it 2014, I think, when you were starting to organize Ashes to Ashes. Um, and you had that dinner party down the street and my dad was there and you had mentioned you were looking for, Shirley had mentioned she was looking for a filmmaker to help cover it. Um, and so we just kind of volunteered to support that and put together a crew, Um of 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 shooters and advisors and writers that kind of helped to to come together to document uh, Shirley's process and her her homecoming ceremony and then um, Shirley I mean you the you know getting meeting Winfred and bringing Winfred into the story was was really you do you want to share that day
2: as far as meeting Winfred that was because of um, a friend of mine knew she had seen my work including cotton. And she had seen Winford work. And she said, you got to meet this guy. He works in cotton, just like you do. So we went to see one uh, uh, exhibition of Winford. And while there he commented about lynching and I had started doing the work on the project um, ashes to ashes and um, in talking, he said that he had something about lynching. It wasn't clear to me. And so at the end of the, the, sh- the show, I stood up and said I was from a small town in South Georgia called Waycross, and he just said, they lynched a lot of people where you're from. And that was true. So at the end of it, I went and talked with him, and he said that, I said, I don't understand what you were saying about lynching. And he told me then that he had been, he was in the process of being lynched, but they didn't finish. And then I asked him would he come, because at that time we had started accumulating videos for the film, and I asked, would he mind coming to Amherst? And so I told Tell her father, and tell, he told. Uh, tell and teller said, "No, you go where he is." So we went there and we started videotaping Winfred because the chance of finding someone who had lived through a lynching and for me to be doing a project on that—that that was just unbelievable. And so that's where it, that's how we got Winfred into the you know the process. Did
3: the initial kind of approach for what you wanted to accomplish in the film? Did it go the way you expected or? you know, as you get into things, there are parts of the story that come up that you weren't expecting. I mean, what was that like? I
2: think that um, my part was doing a funeral service and to incorporate that into the film. um, And I think the realization of having someone who was lynched to tie that in, I think it worked out pretty good. And I thought it was great. Well,
3: can you go into a bit about that funeral service? Because that that obviously is is an important part of this, this film. And an important part of this project. What, what for people who who are totally from outside of the, the area and, and, and various traditions, what were you accomplishing there? And, and what was the meaning of that?
2: Well, I always felt sad that people who would lynch so often, the Klan had this idea that if a family, once they lynch someone, there's a chance you would never see that body again. They would burn the body up. Uh, They would tell, there was this saying that if you came and got the body, they will come and get you. So the body often was left to be there for the animals. And I always felt that we could not bring them back, but at least we could do, was remember them and give them their ashes to ashes. Funerals are often not only for those, respect for those that passed, but also respect in a family. And a lot of families never got that chance to say goodbye, because a lot of times they never saw their family member again. And that was by design. And so I decided that I was going to have a funeral service. And so I decided I had a wake, and um, Ruby D and Asa Davis' son came and did the music for the wake. I treat it as if it was a real funeral. And so, so on Friday night, we had a wake, and on Saturday, we had the service. We had a hearst, a glass hearst, with a wooden casket in there with over 4,000 names. That hearse was pulled by these draft h- horses, uh, big like Clydesdale, bringing that casket to church. I wanted it to be a big event for them. I want to be um, respectful, and I want to be a great remembrance. And I think when the casket was being brought into the church and it was music with about 30 or 40 members of a choir singing, I've been buked and I've been scorned. And that's what I, I really wanted. And the nice thing about it, the service was in a church called St. John, named after John Brown, who was an abolitionist. It's a church where Frederick Douglass has spoken. So John, the truth, unbelievable, you know, stained glass, un- unbelievable. So I I also felt that the United States need to deal with the hate. And I said that first part of healing as a physician, the first thing I do with the patient is that I want to know your history because knowing your history, there's a better chance of me being to help you being able to help you. American has, has never really acknowledged the history of how brutal and um, destructive the act of lynching and terrorizing people, and so I felt that this is one step towards helping this country to heal. If you know your history, there's a chance you can heal or get better. When my patients tell me their history, there's a chance that I can help them to do better and to move on. So I think that's the overall idea of ashes to ashes, the funeral service, and to tie that in with an example of someone who had been lynched and what the tough part associated with that—that that is lifelong heartache and pain that comes with that process not only for the person that was lynched or in the process of being lynched, but for the family and for that community.
0: Winfred, we, we saw on the clip and uh, you mentioned it many times throughout the, the documentary that, well, one, you talked about art and different art forms can be healing, but your art is not healing. And, and art is a way for you to tell your story. And so as a viewer, what I got from that is that you're, you haven't healed from your story. That's that the story. What happened to you? You have not healed from that.
4: No, that's that's no healing for me. I uh, day in and day out, uh, you know, my it's just uh, memories of my life, memories of m- what happened to me. It's just I just go through it day in and day out. I just deal with it.
1: Can you can you share a little bit about how having Patsy with you has been? Kind of the light in all of this process,
4: yes, that's the only thing that I have is my wife. That's the only thing that I have for comfort. I get comfort from her, and she's there by my side to to comfort me. That's the only comfort that I have is her, so
0: yeah, and we and we we see that you know throughout the documentary I mean the special relationship you have. With your wife Patsy, and um, also we learned it. She's been such a strong support for you, even through the the you know writing letters, um, getting out of incarceration. Uh, you know, yeah. Dr. Whitaker, I want to I want to go back to uh, you know Winfred shared in the documentary the uh, everything that that he's gone through. You know, lack of sleep, the chronic stress, and um, you know, the 40 years of, of surviving that very traumatic, horrific experience of, um, you know, the the lynching and what has happened to so many families. And share with us, you know, how that trauma manifests if it's not healed in our bodies and our mind and our, our experiences and how we view ourselves.
2: With um, lynching, it's understandable that over this year, post-traumatic stress problems and inability to sleep. And when you have something like sleep apnea or inability to sleep, that damages your, you find people with diabetes, hypertension, all centered around just not being able to go through those five, you know, REM sleep has five stages to it. And you need to go through all of those. Often they don't do that. That is lost. And it manifests in multiple medical problems and trying to figure out how to balance all of those is very difficult. So it doesn't surprise me that as someone who have endured such horrendous mishap in their life, that it demonstrates by health issues, diabetes, hypertension, obesity, all of that funny from just the lack of sleep and the, you know, the psychological strain that come with the idea that someone wanted to take your life and you had no say in that, that trauma, um, is long-lasting. I mean, I, first time I met Winfred, he told me that he gets two hours of sleep a night, and that's with medication. Just think of that. To go two hours only, and that, because of medication, my feeling on medication in order for you to sleep, you don't go through those five the REM sleep and go through those stages, which are imperative for you to function. The combination of all of these issues centered around not only the, uh, around the fact that sleep apnea, just take that along not, and not even consider the other things that go along, the psychological stress that comes with the fact that someone wanted to take your life on top of inability to sleep, that demonstrates itself. Sleep apnea is notorious for diabetes, hypertension, and all these associated into one human being on top of the fact they may have some psychological problems associated with the fact that someone wanted to kill you. And that is, Long, so it doesn't surprise me that Winfred would have some health issues and you know post-traumatic stress disorder um, on top of so many things so it's not uncommon it's expected and the problem is how do you deal with it and that's always very difficult
3: I'm interested because uh, you know this is these we have two artists here who actually three Taylor you're telling these stories through through the medium of video but specifically if I could with dr Whitaker and and, and Winfred um what does using your art to communicate do? And is that something? Is that helping you? Is it helping your 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 audience to understand your stories and and uh, what you're trying to get across? I mean, what is the role of art in dealing with these really serious issues?
4: Well, you know, seriously, it's, it's it's just uh, I've learned to deal with it. That. Um, I lay down at night. I I know that I'm not gonna get any rest. Surely, I know that um, you know. I, I know that I'm just gonna. I'm just not gonna get any rest. I I, I lay there and I need it. Lay there and uh, can't get any sleep whatsoever. And it's just it's just a, a, a bad thing. It's just a bad 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 situation. That I'm up all night. Mm. I'm I'm a bad in a bad situation. I'm two or three hours of sleep at night. I want to sleep so bad. I want to sleep so bad. I want to I want sleep, but I can't. But I I can't. Uh, right now I'm working on some things. Uh, I try to tell my life story through through my art. I try to uh, I try to use my art as a handle to to tell my my life. Right now I'm sleeping about my bed, sleeping in my bed and falling out of bed. And I'm on the floor sometime, you know. Or uh, or the witch is riding me. You know, you never heard that story about the witch, have you? The witch, when you when you sleep when you're half sleep, the witch is riding you. That's an old tale that the that the that the old folks tell. Yep. Uh, when you can't sleep, that means that the witch
2: is Rodes riding you all night long. Uh-huh. Huh? The witch ro- rode you all night long, and then you wake up yeah. and not really having to yeah. sleep. She rides you, right?
4: Yeah, and she rides me constantly
1: oh one one quick thing too, maybe um you could share is you know you've got the art, but you also have your book that you're releasing soon. How's that going?
4: Well, the book is going great, I think I think, so I, I you know I'm waiting for the book to come out, so that you know I'm really really, really tell some stories
1: one one thing and Winfred, I remember this conversation that you and I had when, um, you know, after we had heard your story and we had started to do some of those early edits. And I remember when I went to your house and um, shared that, you know, early cut with you. And there was, you know, the conversation started that this, the story that we see in Ashes to Ashes is such a small part of your life. Like you have obviously had this huge life outside of this trauma, Um, raising your family and um, all your kids and all the different decades of your art and now this book. And so I think what I'm most excited about with the book is that it gets to, it tells the whole story of your life, huh? Not just the the part that we share in the film.
3: Just to circle back a little bit, uh, anyone who's looking forward to Winfred's memoir, the title is Chasing Me to My Grave, an artist's mm-hmm. memoir of the Jim Crow South. So uh, I'm, wow. I'm looking forward to seeing that. It's coming out this year. Dr. Whitaker, we can hear you again. So um, if you, I'm sorry, if you wouldn't mind repeating the last bit you we were just saying.
2: Um, as I said, I'm interviewing African-Americans who are 80 and older, who survived 400 years, just going on history and what they think, why is it that was able to um, survive 400 years? Four years of Trump has had people just dying. I said, try 400 years of this. And I'm doing some sketches of that and some uh, etchings of those. And we'll put those in a book of these people that I've been able to talk to. And then I'm working on a pamphlet for people uh, with COVID trying to do informational and educational in, uh, input to help people to to survive with COVID.
0: I, and let's, uh, I have a question, you know, for, for Taylor uh, and, and also Dr. Whitaker and anybody who wants to jump in. Um, but basically, you know, may, I feel like we need to, you know, telling this story, seeing ashes to ashes. And just like Dr. Whitaker had said, I mean, how do we heal uh, if we don't know, you know, the history? And this is a question for the entire country, even after so many years of all this, this, the horrible things that you know Americans have done to other Americans, you know, tell us, you know, by showing this film, this documentary, telling Whitaker, or I'm sorry, Winfred's story, and also uh, sharing the project "Ashes to Ashes" and the homecoming for those that we've lost through lynching. You know, how that, that you feel that that's part of the, the healing process or what this could do for the rest of the country as we try to move
2: forward. Well, the thing is that, as I said, history is important for healing. If you go to a physician and that physician don't take history from you, you need to leave. So trying to tie that in. And I think I, it would be surprising what people think lynching was, was no big deal. But educating them how horrible it was,
3: T- Taylor, what was it like getting this film project together? I mean, it, it's did you have to go out and find funding, and and uh, uh, you know all the other people who are, you're going to work with? So what what was that like? Take us through some of that.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. When you know, when I first started working with Shirley, just kind of committing to support her, uh, I was really just an idea to document for posterity the funeral itself. So our vision was to kind of create a Um, three-hour long thing that she could have that she could show in the future um, at at different churches and and groups. And it wasn't an idea at the time to kind of make this into a short film that happened somewhat serendipitously as it all evolved. Um, But to film the funeral, which was the first step, we uh, brought together a crew, um, a diverse crew as well, shooter, director, writer Cameron Granger, who is a Black mixed media artist from Columbus and also a filmmaker joined and he became a huge collaborator and advisor in the whole process and a, and a good friend now as well. So kind of like, you know, went into the funeral um, itself, which is the idea of kind of documenting what happened, but getting to know Shirley as a character, as a, as a woman, an artist on a, on this journey, you know, seeing her um, hold so so tenderly and and also just the pain of, of this history and how she's working art um, as a way to work through that for the, for the collective and for like this larger story was amazing. And just to be like, I think that there's something here. So we, um, you know, she just lives down the street from my dad, went back and filmed with her a couple more times. And then when we got a chance to meet Winfred um, and go down and be with him in his home well Winfred, while you were doing artwork and hear his story, which he shared with us on the very first day we ever met, um, even though we went back multiple times and sometimes just to make um, Star Wars costumes and hang out—not always to film—but uh, but yeah, after kind of sitting with both of their stories, these two artists who were, um, you know, Shirley's kind of working on the macro scale, and Winfred's work is so personal unrelatable um Thank Thank and just you. felt like it was uh, an opportunity to to kind of weave their stories together into a short a short film and um also had a an amazing collaborator and advisor Allison Davis who is a writer and um you know a bunch of people just came together it was an unfunded project the uh, a good friend of mine, Logan, did the music in three days. Um, just fell in love with Shirley and Winfred's story, and it was a rush to get it ready so that we could premiere in Telluride. Um, we all got to come together there, and yeah, so just a you know a journey of kind of an unexpected path, but that I really learned a lot on as well about you know obviously these as a white woman, um, this is not typically a uh, a place that I would seek out, but it was a, an amazing learning opportunity to to understand kind of collaborative filmmaking and allyship through this um, and really just make an art piece altogether. So that's that, behind the scenes.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, and that brings up the, the obvious question of, of I'm, I'm interested in how different audiences react to it or, you know, whether it's going over a painful time that they know about or you know, some of them who have not heard about this, per- this period and this practice. And I mean, are you, some people have now been able to see the film, and I, and I hope more will will see it in, in the future as well. But what have you kind of gotten from different audiences? You know, however you want to split it up, young people, old people, uh, white, black. I mean, how are their reactions different?
1: Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question because um, clearly the film means a a very different things, I think, particularly around Mm. racial lines. Um, There are a lot of white communities that have seen the film, white audiences that just didn't have um, an understanding of this part of history and just like the scale of it, nor did they have an opportunity to kind of connect with someone who'd gone through it and have that emotional, um, that emotional connection. So I got, Feedback, uh, you know, often from the white community that, that this was like an eye-opening kind of educational experience. Um, that we've done screenings with all black community groups in the South, and it's a totally different thing. It's been um, there's a group in Annapolis that was incredible, and they there's uh, yeah just did some more like kind of deep deeper grounding conversations and celebrations of the. Sur- like Winfred's survival and his strength and Shirley's art. And it's less about, you know, education and understanding and more about um solidarity and processing and and uplifting these these artists. So uh yeah, definitely um means different things to different people. You
0: had mentioned in the, the film that you know the response that some of the responses you got for the doing the homecoming or the funerals for those who have been lynched, some folks were saying that, you know, why bring up something that's so horrible that's so so tragic? And your response to that was that we weren't you know talking about it enough. We weren't bringing it up enough,
2: right? I always say this, oh, it's so horrible, it's so depressing. I said, try hanging from a tree and see how depressing that is. And to acknowledge these people, these human beings, who had, I mean, being murdered for no reason and terrorized on and on. And to acknowledge them and give some respect to them, I think was imperative. And for those that have a problem with that, this isn't a film for you because it's one that we acknowledge Winford who's with us and for those that are not with us and acknowledge a group of uh, Americans who endured long periods of time of being terrorized. And America has to acknowledge that. And they think lynch, or they say slavery, it's just like slavery. You just, um, you get three meals a day and you have a place to live. But um, lynching, the intense torture that to go on for so many years and to be continued to this day, the definition may have changed, but the the act is the same. You're taking, destroying human beings. And that is something to be acknowledged and try to stop it. And America will not ever heal from this unless they acknowledge their history and give respect to that history.
3: Yeah, it's not just that it was the murders, it was that it was protected by the power structures, the, you know, the the local police authorities. I mean, all these, I, I I can't imagine the horror of going through it, you or your family member, But then to know that there isn't even much recourse, you know. I mean, and then yesterday we're watching video of people with swastikas and Auschwitz T-shirts, literally in the U.S. Capitol, terrorizing our our senators and Congress members of House of Representatives. Um, It's it's a massive need for education and 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 I don't even know what quite the word is, but coming to terms with this, um, it, it's also... I mean, it's a moral reckoning that I, I don't think countries do very well. And, right. and um, we, we had someone on one of our programs a while ago, I think it was uh, Bakari Sellers, a uh, uh, former uh, state representative from one of the Carolinas, I forget which. Um, but he was talking about how, and this was a few months ago. So he was referring to kind of George Floyd and the, you know, the, the ongoing protests and, and such demands for racial justice. Um, and he was saying, you know, we've, we've had these moments in, in our country's past where there was kind of a moment of clarity and a moment of, of alleged reckoning, but each time we missed, you know, whether it was, uh, you know, watching, uh, the, 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 the attacks in the Pettus Bridge watching, um, and, uh, George Floyd or watching, you know, Barack Obama, the president of the United States singing amazing grace at, at, at the killing of the, 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 the church. People. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think the word I was trying to reach for before is it's kind of hard to be hopeful. And, and I hate to say that because I'm usually a fairly optimistic person. Um, our, Times, I mean, especially Dr. Whitaker, you were talking about talking to people who were who are, you know, 80 and older and, and their experiences. Um, do they feel that times are different or it's all just been rebranded with the same old horrible attitudes in this country?
2: I don't think they're surprised. They feel that what we're seeing now, when you look back in history and look at Grant and what he tried to do with the Klan, you know, he supposedly gotten rid of the Klan. And because they were much stronger, and then Grant came and did what he tried to address, uh, the ex-slaved and how they were being tortured. But eventually the the United States stepped back and just let let them have the Klan uh, have a free fall. And they would do mass murders, like 200 come to vote, they kill them all. And that is, there was nothing you could do Nothing you could say. There's nowhere to go. There's no hiding place. They just had a free for all, and so that happened then. And we still think the fears are still here now. That you have. There's no reckoning. That they can just shoot you down and another way of lynching you or destroying you um, to this day. And that's a long time for a race of people to tolerate. And it shows up with lack of sleep. And health issues that come from that, and the fear that you live with every day. I have a, a son, and I fear that I'm gonna get a call and just tell him he's been shot and killed. And I know there's nothing I can do to protect him. But that is this is 2021, and you saw how they was doing yesterday in Washington D.C. We know if those was black, they would have slaughtered them all. There's no doubt about that. But this, this love, this respect for white supremacy has always been here, and I don't see it going anywhere because until we recognize it being t- as terrorist, the things they have done, they felt that they have uh, all right to do. And that's the sad part. The only thing you can hope for, that if with history, maybe you'll touch some people. My hope is that with Ashes to Ashes and what uh, Winfrey teller and I were able to do with Ashes to Ashes, that it can be used in some way to educate people because some people were really moved by Ashes to Ashes. Some people were shocked and got a little sliver of the pain during the funeral service that people were crying all over the place. When people, um, we had a part of the Ashes to Ashes program, you saw in the film where the guy stood up and talked about what happened to his son. That's a true story. And people just said, I just know that couldn't have happened. Yes, it happened then and it's happening now.
0: Um, thank you so much for that, Dr. Whitaker. I, I, I am one of the viewers uh, that were completely touched, um, you know, by the film, but also a, a reminder of the horrific things that have happened in this country. And one thing that you said, you know, this isn't black history. This is American history. And in some ways, even if I wasn't living in that in that time or that lived through that time or there's experiences that I felt a responsibility, a social responsibility, that we have to be doing more. And so, a, a question to to Winfred, you know, after what Dr. Whitaker had just said, and something that you had said in the film, you know, about um, that there wasn't there wasn't anybody that ever that said what had happened to you was wrong, or what had happened to many African Americans that were wrong, because of what we're talking about, you know, the the people in power. The, the, and and people are doing wrong things just based off of someone's skin color. You today with the film ashes to ashes and the pieces of your leather work that have touched someone like me that that you don't know um, and and I'm not black. Do you feel you know that that you could do more than a dent because that's how you ended. Uh, uh, or there, there was a comment that you made that you you said that you didn't feel that you could change the world, but you certainly could put a dent to it. I think you could, you could, with your artwork and and your story and telling everyone out there and educating, like Dr. Whitaker was saying.
4: Yes, I probably could put a dent in it. I, you know, I could. Um, I love going into schools. I think going into schools are great. You know. Talking to the young people, uh, uh, because uh, you know, talking to people sometimes it changes things when they change things. So I love to talk to the young people, black and white. So I could kind of get into their minds. That's 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 one it, uh, I want to do if I could do that. Get in some of the schools. That's my first thing I want to do: get into the schools.
0: Yeah, um, we'll go. You know, back to also Taylor. You know, something that I had said in the, the acknowledgement, and then the uh, sometimes we, you know, we we don't see it ourselves. The change that we could be, and if Winfred didn't participate in the the documentary, and you just showed his uh his leather work his artwork we would have been able to see the story clearly or or know his story clearly from his artwork um but there was something that you did with the the camera work going in between you know close-up shots of winford's artwork and while he's narrating his story um, and, and if you could just talk a little bit about, you know, what that process was like for you and maybe even the first time when you saw, you know, Winfred's, uh, artwork and knowing his story and kind of what the emotions were for you.
1: Yeah, it was, um, it was a pretty, I mean, the pieces in person are just stunning and I think, um, you know, we feel so lucky to be able to have the days that we did, uh, with Winfred in his home and in that art studio. And it's, uh, you know, it's a very small little studio. So we're all kind of huddled together and it created a really, I think, um, just intimate and supportive space where Winfred and Patsy were able to kind of share, um, what the work has meant and, we were able to be there and film him ma- making it, um, but yeah, I've we've been lucky enough with a couple of the f- film festivals before COVID hit to actually screen the film and bring all of Winfred's art um, to galleries. And I was, it was like a whole nother, um emotional experience to go through, like completely separately, to see these huge. You know, five foot tall pieces that are rich with stories, and you they're texturized, and you can, you know, having sat there with him and heard the sound of the mallet, and just like knowing what a, um, a full hearted and and vulnerable experience each of these pieces is w- was pretty magical, and we got to bring Shirley's art into that as well, um, her etchings, her books, um, so I think yeah, it's you know it's interesting that the that the short film itself is about art but that the film has become a small vessel for getting to take uh to share for Winfred and Shirley to you know have these days when we've been able to share that work with people in person and I I hope we all get to have those experiences again because their artwork is really incredible in person I know that uh Winfred um
0: it's okay if we could, we can say goodbye to you now as we're closing out and then, uh, you know, we'll have uh, Shirley and Taylor um, conclude for us and much a little bit about Ashes to Ashes and perhaps, you know, how people can see the film in the future. So we will thank you so much for sharing your story with us and uh, for, for hanging through, um, you know, the, the time here in this afternoon, we really appreciate you and, and, again so honored to have you share your story, especially through ashes to ashes.
4: Thank
0: you. Uh, and so um, yeah, as we wind down uh, Dr. Whitaker, I feel like that I would it would be a missed opportunity if I if we didn't get to this point to ask, you know I know um, I, I really appreciate the the healing and and the acknowledgement of the trauma we suffer especially the black community and the racial injustice in this country. And I think for so many uh, who are acknowledging what has happened in the, in the last 24 hours or even the last four years, and we're, you know, being realistic that a lot of the injustice is, has continued that the supremacist structures are still there. Um, what are your thoughts in terms of if we have this chance 2021 and going forward, for, for us to really dismantle, you know, those areas of injustice that we face today?
2: I think, as I said, as a physician, if you don't acknowledge it, it's hard to fight a disease if you don't acknowledge diseases there. And I think that's imperative. I don't know how to heal, you know, in dealing with patients, the first thing I do is I get history because that helps me to help them. And this country has to acknowledge what they have done um, over 400 years. And then you, the patient comes and tell you, I have a hearing problem. I got a kidney problem. I automatically know what kind of kidney problem they have. And then I know what I can do to help them. So that's first America has to acknowledge because America doesn't really think that they've done in, anything. They really don't acknowledge the power that they have given to White supremacy. They haven't acknowledged the taught, um, how terrorized the black community and community of color is in this country. Um, and I think that's the first step. And hopefully, when you see ashes, the ashes, maybe to make you think about it and not to take it so lightly, because some people don't see it a big deal. You know, we just hang them, and then this over with, it's quick. They don't know there are three stages to lynching. Wentford told me that. And the three stages, I wasn't even aware of. And to go through those stages before the final part where they see them from the noose. That's the, and the part that Winford went through was the first stage. And there are two others after that. But to know they even exist, that they happen. And Mm. to, that's a part of the history of this disease of this country is first thing to help eliminate this disease is to acknowledge. And hopefully ashes to ashes can serve as a first step when we look at it and says, Hmm, did that really happen? And then to acknowledge that it did. And then the impact of that, that we still see today and what can be done to try to, you know, eliminate that acknowledging the people yesterday was terrorists. And what they did is what they've done over, over again, but no one pushed them back and said, no, 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 let's not accept. They were doing it to what they did yesterday to, in, in Washington, D.C. was done to predominantly white people. But they've done this for 400 years to people of color. Acknowledge that. And now don't tell me you're just going to walk away. Well, you know, we don't want to get into that. No, no, no. You need to deal with accept it, acknowledge it, and then you can correct
3: it. Uh, that makes me think of a, a comment someone shared online this morning, maybe an hour or two before our program, Um it was a comment made by someone who was one of the rioters who, when the, there was some police pushback and there was the shooting of that, that one woman, um, th- this person was like, what are they doing? The police are shooting at us. They're, they're supposed to shoot the B- at BLM. Now they're shooting at Patriots. Um, I, I can't even pretend to get into the mind of someone who would think that way, but unfortunately... A ton of people apparently do. Um, I want to go in a different direction just because I have no, like I said, I have no hopeful way of ending that sentence. Um, Dr. Whitaker, I've known a fair number of doctors in my life. I've known a fair number of artists in my life. Mm -hmm. The Venn diagram of those two doesn't often, uh, uh, you know, show a lot of overlap. How did these two parts of your life, uh, you know, how did these two aspects of yourself come to be? I mean, were you in Artist first or are you into medicine first and is there a connection or are they just two parts of your soul that you're you're working with
2: when i look back on my life i realized that i was doing some form of art when i was three or four years old my cousin took me out on the road we didn't have a paved street and he told me you can draw whatever you want you just draw all day so i was out in that georgia sun just drawing on all day And then the next day, I was shocked that someone drove over my artwork. So I look back on my life. I've always used it. And if I found myself in a situation where I was not happy, I would take a pencil, a pen, and start drawing. So I know it has always been there and always found some peace and joy from some form of art. I've always had this thing of caring for people and having this sympathy for people and wanting to see what I could do to make things better. So I think that overlap. I, I think that I've tried to use my artistic ability to educate people um, and use that as a learning tool in some way. And that's what I've, I've tried to do. And I think it's made me um, um, relieve a lot of tension and unhappiness when I can find a way to, make, to, to do something. My thing is don't complain if you don't have a plan. And so my plan may be that I do some artwork in reference to that. um, And I think that tend to help me. And I hope the artwork I do can be used to help other people too. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, I think the world needs to see ashes to ashes and, and, um, and all, all ages and all, you know, people backgrounds, especially if we have ongoing conversations around, again, the supremacist structures and systems and, 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 authority and power and how that impacts our lives. How can we get healthy? How can we get healthy, you know, if the disease is always going to be there? And so the big and most important question all hour long is um, how can people get uh, an opportunity to see Ashes to Ashes and and what's coming up for Ashes to Ashes? Okay.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Taylor? I think they've made an effort to try to make it accessible to a lot of people. As far as whether or not it's going to get better, as I said, patients come to me. I don't know what their problem you know, may be, but I get that history. And I try to look at a structural way to make things better. But knowing that history will help. And I think that acknowledging the history of this country and how people have been terrorized for so long, acknowledging that and try to find a way to make that as not you know, doesn't, stop it from happening and find a way to do that. And I, That will help healing, to acknowledge it. And then you can, you know, as I said, I know I have patient history. I can look at the problems there and try to find a way. Once I get that history and once America get the history, you won't be able to heal all your patients, but you hopefully will hopefully be able to help some and make life a little bit better for those that want to work with you. It's a contract between the doctor and the patient that we have to work together to accomplish a goal. And I think that's the step that has to be.
3: Taylor, you know, we're, we're we would actually don't have questions on our our chat box for our, on our YouTube video, but we're getting lots of comments, and there are lots of thanks for all three of you. Um, and and one recurring theme that comes up through these is thank you for sharing these stories. People have to know these stories. Um, you know, comment about specifically thanking Dr. Whitaker for um, you know getting the stories of of black people over the age of eighty, and and. Uh, thanks for telling you stories about the, the experiences people have gone through. Um, Taylor, you're in the job of, of telling stories and, and highlighting stories. This is going to be the, the, the oldest question ever asked of filmmakers, but it's always interesting to me. What do you see doing next or what is your next project? I mean, and what are you hoping to tell there?
1: Um, yeah, I, I uh, well, COVID pending. Um, I've recently moved to, rural Colorado and a good friend of mine, Jade Begay who um, is Navajo and Tewa based in New Mexico. She and I are going to be collaborating on a story about the Intermountain West um, going from rodeos uh, to powwows looking at Mm -hmm. how interconnected landscapes are um, keeping us together and also where kind of cultural ties differ and I, I grew up in the Midwest. So, you know, looking at looking to do something collaborative and close to home, um, for the, this coming year, which I'm really excited for.
0: So the last question, and and I don't think I caught it, but yeah. So can people see ashes to ashes soon or how can they see ashes to ashes?
1: Um, yeah, I, am I, we have some exciting news coming up where we are getting distribution. I think we're launching on January 13th, uh, I'm not exactly sure if I can say who, but I think if you stay tuned or if you've seen this talk on the Commonwealth club site, I'm sure maybe you guys will have a link to share at some point. Um, But yeah, in just a couple of days we'll, we'll be, we'll be launching um, publicly on a, on a site.
0: That's so great. I want to thank all of you for joining us this afternoon and for this very important conversation and for sharing ashes to ashes and stories uh, of, of your work, of your life and acknowledging our horrible history, what we've done to other Americans, the 4,000 who have been lynched. Thank you, Dr. Whitaker. Thank you, Winfred. Thank you, Taylor, for joining us today. John, I'll let you have your, your last words.
3: I, I repeat Michelle's uh, thanks, but also thanks to everyone who's watching this and listening to the podcast later, because um, you're the ones who need to tell these stories uh, to others. And then So share this video, share the podcast, and uh, come back and see us in the future. You'll find all all of our upcoming programs at CommonwealthClub.org. We wish everyone a safe and healthy rest of this week. Take care.